G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. High and holy calling to know God as well as to make Him known. And in today's program, we're going to see that Jesus is our role model in service by His action ministry. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah. Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And yes, our lesson is called Action Ministry, based on Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 38. It's amazing what Jesus will do. First of all, there are two blind men. Verse 28 of Matthew 9. It says, And when he was come into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. I believe you can guess what happened next. The eyes of these blind men were opened, and they were absolutely over the moon at the fact that now, once where there was darkness in their life, they could now see. Two blind men. The blindness is healed, and what we'll see is that even though Jesus will tell these blind men, don't reveal this healing to anyone, they, on the contrary, go out of their way to tell the whole world what Jesus had done for them. I guess it's really hard to blame them. They were so excited, so thrilled, so over the moon at their healing. They didn't want to keep it a secret. In fact, the secret is, why did Jesus want to not let this be known? That is the mystery. Again, he knows all things. He understands. But anyway, the news spreads. The crowds enlarge. They press against him and Jesus is going to need some space from the crowds. That's why he retreats to certain places, so he can seek the Heavenly Father in prayer. We also will have the healing of the mute, demon-possessed man. And when he is healed, everybody is going to marvel. They have never seen anything like this before. But in the midst of success, and remember, people do respect perhaps in some cases even worship success, but others are moved with envy and resentful. And that includes the Pharisees. The Pharisees are going to make a very, very 
slanderous and totally untrue statement about Jesus. In fact, we would go as far as to say they were blasphemous. They were grievously insulting the Son of God. And what had he done wrong? Nothing. He was doing everything right. He was preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, and yet his opponents still managed to find fault. There was nothing they could hang it on. And remember, one of the telltale signs of someone who's jealous and moved with envy is that what they speak is not rational, and their actions are not rational. They're not based on any logic. They're just grasping at straws, trying to criticize you for doing the right thing. What we'll see is that in this particular passage of Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 38, we'll also get a summary of Jesus's itinerary, because he's going to go around all the cities and villages of Galilee. He'll be teaching and preaching about the gospel of the kingdom, and his word will be backed up with signs and wonders demonstrating supernatural power. All of this is to show that the kingdom of heaven is near. And then a most remarkable thing, Jesus takes pause to look at the multitude and compassion wells up in him because he sees that they are basically like sheep that have no shepherd. And then he tells his disciples a very important principle, one we would do well to emulate. He tells them, you don't have to wait anymore for the harvest to come because the harvest is already here. So the issue is not having a harvest. The issue is not even having an abundant harvest, because that is clear. The harvest is here, and it is abundant. The issue is, we don't have enough laborers to gather the harvest in. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up more laborers. Friend, will you put your hand up to this high and holy call? It's time now to read the entire segment from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 38. Our lesson is called Action Ministry, and the reference, Matthew 9, 27 to 38. We're about to hear the word of the Lord. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. And they went out. Behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, 
because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 38, and our lesson is called Action Ministry. Well, we'll get right into it, because after all, Jesus is a man of profound words and of anointed action. We begin with Matthew 9.27 and the two blind men. Now Matthew, in his gospel, is inclined to report on doubles, whether they're double demoniacs or, in this case, double blind men. They call him the son of David. That's the blind man, meaning he is the Messiah, and he is able to bring healing. Now, if they are healed, it would be deemed an act of divine mercy. Well, they're about to receive this wonderful gift of mercy, healing, and their blindness will be taken away. So yes, they already recognize Jesus for who he is, and they recognize his ability. But we get to the crux of the matter in Matthew 9.28. Do you believe? After Jesus entered the house, the blind men were so desperate They came in right after him. I mean, it wasn't their house, I'm sure, and they didn't have an invitation, but they were bold. They needed help, and they knew who could give it to them. So Jesus asked them the question, Do you believe that I have the ability to heal you? And they affirmed in no uncertain terms that they did believe. Yes, Lord. So, according to Matthew 9, 29 and 30, their blindness was completely healed. Because Jesus is responding to their faith. He touched their eyes and proclaimed, according to your faith, be it unto you. The onus is on them to believe. That's all they have to do. Believe and receive. God does the heavy lifting. He does all the work, but he won't basically do anything till we believe. Believe and receive, and you shall have. Immediately their eyes were open, and Jesus commanded that they tell no one about it. This was really a tall order, because since their blindness was probably well known among those that knew them personally. In any case, what happens? Jesus tells the blind men, don't say anything, but according to Matthew 9.31, they had big mouths. The blind men could not hold their peace. After they departed from Jesus, they told the story of how the Lord healed them of their blindness, and his fame spread throughout the entire region, which means more crowds, more pressure, more work, because... As Proverbs says, where there is no ox, the crib is clean. When you don't have people around, then yes, everything will be orderly. However, when people come, there'll be more disorder and there'll be more mess, just like an ox in the pen. But there is much increase because of the strength of the ox. Then we go to the mute demon-possessed man, having seen the two blind men healed. 
This is in Matthew 9, verse 31, or 32, actually. Jesus did not even have time to catch his breath. As soon as he and the disciples went out, a demon-possessed dumb man was brought to him. Dumb meaning he could not speak. Nothing to do with his intelligence. Maybe a better term is the mute man. So what happens? Verse 33, Matthew 9, once the demon was cast out, the mute man now could speak, and the multitudes utterly marveled. They said that this kind of ministry was never seen like this in Israel. Well, there has been miracle ministries preceding that of Jesus, especially by people like Elijah and Elisha. But nobody seemed to do it the way Jesus did. He was very singular, one of a kind. In the midst of all this acclaim he was rightly receiving, the Pharisees come to the picture and they are blasphemous. As always, moved with envy, the Pharisees make an unforgivable statement. They said the only reason Jesus cast out devils is because he was empowered by the prince of the devils. Now, in other Gospels, we have a term for this. It's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They are grievously insulting the Spirit of God. They are ascribing to the devil the very work that the Holy Spirit does. Now, Jesus is not going to speak on this issue here. He only does in other Gospels, but I will make a couple of comments. Jesus says that whatever is spoken against him, the Son of Man, is forgivable. But that which is spoken against the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness, not in this world, not in the world to come. This is called the unpardonable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Nobody who even thinks they had committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit should need to worry, because people who commit it are so hardened, their consciences are seared with a hot iron. They are unmoved, even by outward and verifiable demonstrations of the mercy, power, and healing virtue of the name of Jesus. Nothing persuades them, not even if somebody rises from the dead. And therefore, to ascribe God's powerful work to the devil is unforgivable. They, they've been every chance, and they blew it. Again, there's all kinds of reasons to take heart that if you're the least bit of concerned about it, you have not done it. If you have in your heart the fear of the Lord, you want to come to him, serve him, please him, do his will, and do it well, then you're on pretty safe territory. So we get to Matthew nine thirty-five, the ministry summary. Jesus went about all the cities and villages of Galilee. We're talking about Lower Galilee, not the higher version of Galilee. Lower Galilee's in the south, Upper Galilee's in the north. Rarely mentioned in Scripture, Upper Galilee, but Lower Galilee is. He taught in the synagogues while preaching about the gospel of the kingdom of God. Then he backed up the words of the gospel with signs and wonders following, healing the sick and every known disease among people. Jesus does this well. It tells us in Acts 10.38 that Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. This is the Jesus we know, love, and serve. But then, as we read in Matthew 9.36, Jesus was very, very concerned about the multitude. He said, They are like sheep that are scattered. They have no shepherd. They are weary. They are tired. They lack peace. And the compassion in the heart of the Savior wells up in a very big way. Then in Matthew 9.37, Jesus comments to the disciples, The harvest is big, but the laborers are very, very few. What I've noted in Scripture, God doesn't tell us so much to pray for lost souls. Of course, we should. It's fine. It's perfectly legitimate. But he actually goes on the assumption that lost souls will be found if there were enough laborers. That's like saying you'll have a bumper crop of a harvest gathered into your barns if you have enough people to go into the harvest field. But if you don't have enough people, even with a big harvest, the barn will only be partially filled, if at all. I can say the harvest is as plentiful today as it's ever been. And, you know, if the church was to double in size, or should we say add another billion people to biblical Christianity, we would need a minimum five million pastors. I think that's a ratio of one pastor for 200 people just to cater for another billion souls that are saved. We need to pray and we need to prepare before the Lord of the harvest that he would bring forth more laborers into the harvest field. And just remember, God's will is that every true believer serves him. They don't have to be full-time. They don't have to be credentialed. They don't have to be, in other words, denominationally recognized. You can serve God in the home, in the school, in the marketplace, as well as in the church. It's really a no-brainer. Because after all, when all believers are equipped to do the work of the ministry, then the Great Commission can be fulfilled in our lifetime. So, with that in mind, how to respond? Strange it may sound, pray to the Lord of the harvest for more laborers. One billion souls need five million ministers, minimum. And the solution is every believer is equipped by the church to do the work of the ministry. Now, our lesson is called Action Ministry, and our lesson for life is this. Success will bring both great blessing and also critics. The best thing to do is to press on with the mission. That's just as Jesus did. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, giving you future-ready advice through articles about the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that Jesus has shown us the way by being a man of action, a man of compassion, a man of the anointing, and just as he was, so should we. Help us to do these things and to do them for your glory, knowing that we will bear much fruit 
and we will reap in bountiful blessing. Through Christ the Lord we pray. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.